0: Continuing Pirkei Avos, chapter one, Mishnah six, and we are continuing to use the large volume Pirkei Avos of the Arts Golden sower series. Yehoshua ben Pirachia, uh, these two sages, Ki they received from the earlier two sages of the last Mishnah, which were Yosef ben Yochanan Yish uh, and Yosef ben Yo'ezer Yish Tzureida. So they received from them, and here's what Yahshua ben Parachia says on there. Make for yourself a teacher. And acquire for yourself a friend. as And be judging every person to the side of merit. To judge every person favorably. Now these are. You know, bite-sized phrases, but they're huge in their implications. One of the things in the commentary that they point out is that Yoshua ben Perachia was active during the reign of a king by the name of Yanai, which was approximately 200 years before the destruction of the second temple. Yanai was wicked and decimated most of the sages of the traditional rabbis' camp. And Yeshua ben Perachia fled to Alexandria, Egypt, and when the danger passed, he was summoned back by his student, Shimon ben Shattach. Uh, Shimon ben Shattach was a great sage, and he was the one sage that, Yanai uh, he was one of the sages that were not killed, that's the point. And uh, his his wife was, Yanai's, Yanai's wife was Shimon ben Shattach's sister. Okay. Um, so this first phrase, which says, make a point to teacher for yourself. Um, they do some very interesting uh, comments on, in the commentary in the bottom, the first one being from the Rambam, which is that even if your teacher is equal, meaning has the same level intellect or inferior to yourself intellectually, appoint him as your teacher because studying with another person is much more efficacious than studying alone. This is a common problem that people have today. Uh, they tell themselves that they do study because they read books and they, maybe even they read you know, traditional books like the Talmud or the Mishnah or the Bible or whatever, Uh, But the truth is that's not the way to study. And we're gonna see later in Avos, it's gonna say that it's actually a foolish enterprise for a person to learn on their own, which is why uh, traditional yeshiva teaching is with study partner. So people don't just sit in the library quietly by themselves and read books. The base medrash is the opposite experience. You go in to study the same subject matter with someone And then to discuss it, to argue over it, and to help each other to understand it better. And having a mindset that there's something that I have to learn from the other person is especially helpful. And so even as the Ramadan is saying here, if the quote unquote person that you're learning with, that you're trying to therefore also gain from them and learn from them, even if they're inferior intellectually, still treat them like a teacher to really give them respect and the benefit of the... Exploration of their viewpoint so that you could really learn from it. Uh, Rabbini Yona additionally states that one remembers better that which they learn from a teacher than what that which they learn independently. Uh, that might go directly to is a person a visual learner or an audio learner? I don't know. Uh, or it could just be the fact that there's another personality involved makes it more memorable. So that's another aspect. According to both of these opinions, it's not just talking about the general concept of having a teacher, it's actually saying that having a teacher is the proper way to study Torah. And Rashi views the function of the teacher as being able to ensure the intellectual honesty of the student and that he gets the authentic tradition. Okay, now I do want to elaborate a lot more on this teaching because because this is something that's severely lacking in our people today. Unfortunately, most people kind of shoot from the hip when it comes to living life and making life decisions. So whether that's how to get married, like how to think about marriage, even a person that wants to get married, hopefully, which is a separate craziness that people think not to get married, um, they kind of just... Figure that they're going to figure it out. You know, they, they're a smart person. They can decide who they should marry, and they can, you know, do the whole process for sure. Parents, um, until they're having significant problem with their children, tend to think that okay, yeah, listen, I can be a parent. Why can't I be a parent? Why not? You know, I'm a human being. Uh, until they're confronted with real issues and problems and realize, oh, wait a second, I don't know necessarily what I'm doing, they tend to think that they can do it on their own, and in addition to all of that is the fact that with the advent of, in, shall we say, Rabbi Google, Dr. Google, Attorney Google, and every other aspect of Google, people think they can just Google it and know everything that there is to know. That includes our medical professionals. Um, I'm sure some of you have had that experience where your doctor is like looking on Google to find out <laughs> what it is that he's looking at or you know, what to tell you. Um, and, and the sad fact, is that information is not really absorbed well on its own by a person. Generally, it's much better if someone else has experience with the information, can analyze the information, and can understand ramifications of information. But that's the much better way to go about applying information. And so I think that the Mishnah is extremely broad in the fact that it's telling us that to live life, it's very important to have people with whom you talk over questions and have the posture of mentor or that you're learning from them. So therefore, my number one advice to all couples that are looking to build a relationship or looking to solve their relationship is not to do it on their own and is to designate a third party to whom they go to separately and together to discuss relationship things. That's absolutely my number one advice for everyone of all ages. Uh, I've recommended this to psychiatrists and psychologists that are having their own relationship uh, challenges. I I recommend it to every yeshiva student in our yeshiva. So from the very newlywed, to the people that are in their 60s, 70s and 80s, it's just something that people need help with. And the truth is, we all need help with many areas of life. And so I think it's very important to recognize that that's a responsibility on oneself and not on the quote, unquote, educational system. Because the rabbis don't say, have a teacher. They say, make for yourself a teacher, which means that the responsibility is not on the teacher. It is not on the parents. It is not on the community. It is a personal obligation on each person to take upon themselves a teacher. And don't think that somebody else is supposed to do that for you. And that's another mental block that I think people have is that they don't see themselves as responsible and therefore they don't put in the effort to acquire such a relationship. In addition to that, part of making for yourself a teacher is not only, okay, I'm here, teach me, is putting the other person, if you'll pardon the expression, at least in their eyes on somewhat of a pedestal. Right, that means to have a certain deference, respect, and appreciation for them. Um, one of the things that stands out in my mind, and this is by far not uh, like the most special example that I can think of, but it really stood out in my mind when I found out that one of the members of our community made it their business to always buy my father new yarmulkes on the holidays. Just something that most of us don't think about, Right. That's like an example in my mind where if you're trying to establish a relationship of mentorship and looking to someone as a Rav, that you do things that establish that relationship. It's not just that you call them Rav or that you you know, um, are respectful in their presence, but you do things to think about that whole entire relationship and how you can give them that feeling of the fact that that's the relationship that you're trying to acquire. I'm sorry, I'm going off on a lot of aspects on this because I feel like it's such a huge subject. And here's another one. The reality is that sometimes people give a modicum of deferential respect, but not the genuine real respect. So an example that I'll give is, you know, I know someone that treats me in front of me you know, very nicely. And I don't have any cause for complaints. It's really nice. I'm, I'm not a person that looks for that anyways. But when it comes to very specific, important things, I get totally ignored as if my thoughts or feelings don't matter. And that's okay. Like it's fine, but we shouldn't make pretend that that's a relationship of wrath. That's my point. Right, like I don't have a a, a real problem with that. You know, personally, I I happen to think a lot of this person and I admire them, but I'd rather it not be made to seem like we have a Rav relationship when we don't. Not for their sake and not for my sake. So that's uh, another aspect. It has to be genuine and real. So that's another aspect of Now, also on this point, there is an obligation upon teachers to have students. Uh, this is taught to us actually by Rabbi Akiva, the famous story in the Talmud where he had 24,000 students that died. And then he um, established another five students from which all the current Torah that we have is attributable to them. The prelude to that story in the Talmud is to have children when you're young and children when you're old, have children, have students when you're young and students when you're old, because You never know what the true success is going to be, meaning you have to continue to try to make results and impact in this world. You can't say, well, I did that already. If you could still do more, not only because you might need to do more, but not necessarily will it be that your earlier efforts efforts will prove successful, as in the case of his 24000 students that died. So that's a way to understand that that's an obligation upon a teacher to try to educate many people. But I'm learning from here that the real relationship of Rav and student actually has to be established by the student, not by the teacher. So the teacher has to make himself available right, to try to do as much educating and sharing of teaching and helping people to learn how to learn. But really, the responsibility of the fabric of that relationship is on the student. Okay, so that's the first phrase. Now, Also, it should be pointed out that we're talking about in the middle of the Second Temple, and we're talking about when many of the sages were decimated. It's interesting that his focus here is still on the students and not on the teacher. And I think the reason for that is, again, because it's not really effective for a teacher to deputize students. It's much more effective for a student to deputize a teacher. Okay, next line. Zuknei l'cha This is such a huge issue nowadays because people really, truly have genuinely lost the ability to know how to cultivate a relationship, not to mention a genuine friendship, also in large part because of technology, but also in large part because of general combination of arrogance and narcissism and pleasure-seeking. Uh, I, th- I forgot, I, th- I think it's the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times, I don't know. I saw it somewhere this morning, just this morning, how some students like won awards for breaking their smartphone and they were talking about the evils of technology. Um, free press, free press. Free press, yeah, um, makes sense, yeah, free press. And you know, that's just uncommon in teenagers today. They, they don't even realize what's happening to themselves. And here we have a Mishnah from thousands of years ago that's telling us the importance of not only cultivating a friendship, but you got to invest. The word uknei lecha which in English they translate as acquire, is the Torah word for acquisition and purchase. A person needs to invest in a relationship in order for it to be a relationship of friendship. Right? So a lot of people's idea of friendship is they go to show, they have acquaintances, they shoot the breeze or the boardwalk or the card room or whatever it is that people are hanging out, Starbucks, wherever the watering holes are nowadays, right? They don't realize that that's not a real relationship unless you've actually put effort into the relationship. That doesn't mean that the person has to, you know, give all their money or anything like that, but it means that the person needs to do those types of things that are not so easy. So whether it's really helping a friend out with a a ride and a, um, you know, a moving project uh, or other types of time that needs to be spent with people to really help them, that's part of what makes a friendship. And it's critical for a person's development to do that. So there is a way of saying that a person has to invest, even if it is uh, financial. Now, it's also interesting, the contrast that we don't say acquire for yourself a teacher, and we do say acquire for yourself a friend. So to me, some of what that means is that when it comes to learning Torah, the real um, effort on part of the student is to give respect that's the real effort because they really have to be able to open their minds to learning and they have to build the relationship that way. That doesn't, nor should it cost money. And you don't, you know, and and the truth is giving money is very often a disrespect because it's just a way of controlling someone. Right? So that's not respect. Actually when it comes to a friend uh, and a bonding, I'll get to your your point in a sec in a a moment, uh, Ethan. Um, the idea is that we have to show that we have a caring personally for the other person and in general that's the way to build trust is to invest and put an effort of caring
1: okay yes ethan so i've heard it um translated before as hold on to or grab on to your rabbi your teacher that like when you find the one that's that's the one you need to make a real effort to to be there, um, and be able to be in that person's tutelage, and then acquire the friend. And in some regards, um, I've heard it explained that the reason is finding a, a rabbi that that you really connect with can be difficult, but making friends can be very easy. Like making friends when you're purposeful about it is is much easier. Finding good people to be friends is easier than finding that person that's that's really that true spiritual leader, um, it's more rare, and and you should hold on to it.
0: That's interesting. I've never heard it explained that way, and I I also think that they're both um, pretty difficult. Uh, That's my personal opinion about comparing the difficulties of it. Um, I do think, and many people also say that, you know, a real friend is hard to find, um, a lot of times, we find out who our real friends are when we experience something traumatic. And uh, mm-hmm. having been through my own situation in life, it's it's easy to see, you know.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. It, the the other point I was going to make that's interesting. Sorry, Tomas. The the other point that I was going to say that I think is really interesting about uh, this commentary is the responsibility for all of it falls on you right both, it falls both on re- you Yep, yeah, it falls on you to build the relationship into uh one of of a teacher of a rabbi and it falls on you to build the relationship into uh, a friendship it even says I was reading through some of the commentary it even says that you should be deferential in building the the friendship you should be differential deferential to the other friend to to you know, work towards their preferences um, and, and they, in the hopes that they will do the same towards you and, and you'll build that strong relationship together. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, can I also ask uh, uh, something? Please, um, First of all, I think the uh, the learning together uh, um, and the, the friendship as two issues uh, uh, um, put next to each other, I think it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I think uh, the learning together exercise already creates friendships. so I think that's that's something which is which is very meaningful. Uh, the other thing I wanted to kind of uh, I, I wanted to ask that more 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 than just commenting on is uh, is respect as you mentioned and uh, uh, when we talk about respect, uh, is this respect towards the teacher for uh, the person itself or the knowledge that the teacher represents um, uh, or is there a difference at all? Yeah, very, very, very
0: good points. And uh, yeah, your question is a very good question. The Talmud says that if a person doesn't appear to you to be like an angel of Hashem, then don't seek Torah from his mouth.
2: Hmm.
0: So the Talmud puts the two uh, straight up together uh, because, probably because, my interpretation is, because, you know, Having respect for someone's knowledge is very different than having respect for who they are as a person, and I think that if you want to have the real impact on yourself, you know you can have respect for their knowledge, but that's not necessarily going to impress you or affect you or feel compelling to you. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. if you have you know respect for the essential person, it's a much more impactful experience of learning.
2: Totally makes sense, and and is this respect. A, uh, a similar respect that uh, when we when we learn the uh, respect your elders.
0: Yeah, yes, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, really, uh-huh. that that is the, te- the 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 source for so to speak, respecting your elders. You know, it's to learn from someone who knows more than you. Uh, yes, yeah. it's, it's an assumption in Judaism that older people, because of life experience, have a lot to offer.
2: Great, thank you. And and just one uh, technical question is. Uh, when we learn, we ask a lot of questions. Uh, when here, the, in the beginning of the Mishnah, uh, we talked about you know the, the, the learning in pairs. Is there also a, uh, any kind of uh, um, bibliography or any kind of written rules about, about the questions, the use of questions?
0: That's a good question.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> I have to think about it. I don't think so. I think, I think that unfortunately, even though it's so uncommon, in the educational world in general, I think that the the whole style of learning that was invented uh, from the rabbis teaches us the essential need for questions. Um, so I think it's a given, but I, I could think about if there are explicit uh, sources. I mean, the one explicit one that is a Mishnah here in Avos is that a person who gets shamed easily doesn't learn and the simple explanation is they don't ask. Mm-hmm. You know, so that would be maybe explicit on the topic.
2: That makes sense. Yeah, thank you.
0: No, sure. No, it's a pleasure. Uh, Joseph.
2: And suppose you gave us a beautiful definition of friendship and you phrased it very nicely. Um, Can you repeat or remember?
0: (laughs) Is that friendship or trust? No, friends, friendship, not trust. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yes. So, friendship. My my definition is a friend is someone who reminds you of who you are when you yourself have forgotten. Yeah,
1: that's
2: that's the one I
0: was looking for. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's that's learned that from the story of Yehuda and Tamar and his friend Chira. We could discuss that more another time. Uh, For me, that's very useful in life. That that particular one. Uh, But just to to go back also to our Mishnah for a minute, you know, if we ask ourselves, what is the source? Of these teachings, right? In other words, seemingly the rabbis—pardon my comparison, just for the moment—but uh, we give it different uh, levels of credence. You know, I happen to be a big fan of Benjamin Franklin. Okay, and his early writings—you know, the whole thing that he did—and this whole statesmanship and you know, incredible thinker and you know, genius in so many ways. You know, so he has a lot of sayings also, but even though a lot of his sayings are sourced from Pirkei Avos, definitely, and some of them, you know, are probably his own. um, I think it's appropriate to ask, you know, what are the rabbi sources? It's not just another, so to speak, Benjamin Franklin. These are not just smart people, but it's based on their learning. So when it comes to Asaylacharav, my personal opinion is that what they're really saying is you cannot learn Torah properly without a proper teacher. And so when the Torah says you must learn Torah, the Understanding is real learning has to be done from a real teacher. And that is in the Torah. But I would like to also offer a novel a source for to acquire for yourself a friend, which is also so hugely important nowadays. And that is the statement in Genesis that says, it is not good for man to be alone. The word chaver doesn't just mean friend, it actually means attachment. is to attach. So it's important to be attached. Okay, marriage, good, and you know that's what Genesis is describing—Adam uh, and Eve—and that man not really feeling like he has a helper, an attachment, uh, you know, a mate. Uh, but just for us, what the rabbis are telling us is that it's not good for us to be alone. And a very critical way for a person to not be alone is to have one with whom they attach. And so I look at that as a real attachment, meaning I look at a real attachment as somebody who can relate to the other and help them understand how to handle life. The best example of that, of course, is a husband and wife, and they should be the best friends that anybody has. That's what should be. I'm not saying it always is, but that's the ideal. But even aside from that, it's important for a person to have people to whom they truly attach and that they don't feel alone in the world. The source of most psychological dysfunction in the world is people being detached. So whether you think about autism, or you think about depression, or you think about general anxiety that people have, the source of most of it is people are into themselves and disconnected when they become connected, it becomes much more manageable to handle all of these things. The real challenge with autism is that uh, people don't know if it's possible to, is there an entry point for attachment? And real success in dealing with autism is when that can be created. Uh, what, what they've discovered many things with autistic children. One of them is uh, that they are able to communicate sometimes if you just find the right entry point. So they have these tablets very often that work very well and programs on computers. that. have many interesting things. And, you know, that's really why it's so important to have attachment. So I think we'll stop there for today and we'll continue this mission next time. Is that good? Okay.